Welcome everyone to episode number 28 of our NCAA social series. I'm Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined as I am nearly every week by Dr. Brian Hainline, the NCAA Chief Medical Officer. And it's an honor and a privilege to be joined by our next two guests, Mark Halinski, who is the co-founder with his wife, Kim, of Halinski's Hope, uh, and Trey Moses, a former Ball State basketball player who now plays professionally in Portugal. Um, both of you have been touched tragically and deeply uh, by mental health and suicide that has really obviously changed your lives forever. Um, Mark, if I can start with you, for those that may not be as familiar with Tyler's story, uh, if, if you can, as, as best as you can, um, just tell everyone what exactly happened. Well, I can tell you what we know. Um, Tyler, my, my middle son, Tyler, uh, played football up at uh, Washington State um, in the state of Washington. And in uh, <clears throat> 2018, January 16th of 2018, we lost Tyler uh, to suicide. We uh, were unfamiliar with any struggles that he may have had. And it was a surprise and shock to his team, his coaches and his family. Uh, we miss him dearly, and we've sort of picking up the torch on mental illness and mental health um, and started Holinsky's Hope uh, shortly thereafter. How are you doing? Well, we, you know, every day you, you take it as a, an opportunity to improve other people's lives. Um, we are very busy. My wife, Kim, is uh, absolutely... Um, on this 100% and uh, she leads us through, you know, day in, day out of our, our challenge really to, to defeat the stigma, bring awareness and, and bring additional resources to campus. And we've, we've chosen to focus on student athletes, um, not to exclude anybody, but it's just the, the line of sight that we have and where we feel we can be most effective. And one of the places, as, as Trey can vouch, is, is one of the places that's really uh, that really needs some additional assistance. And we're gonna dive deeper and deeper, obviously, into this topic. Um, you know, I feel very strongly this is as important an episode as we've had uh, from when we started this at the beginning of this pandemic and, and will continue uh, to be a topic that we have to address daily. Um, Trey, if I can, for you, um, how was your life affected uh, by someone very close to you in suicide? Um, so, I mean, for me, I, I've dealt with mental illness since um, I was about 12 or 13, um, and then I had actually tried to take my life as well. Um, so a lot of people in my, in my life knew everything that I was going through. Um, and then August 22nd of 2017, I lost um, my teammate and best friend, Zachary Hollywood, to taking his own life. And, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was definitely a, a shock. And, um, considering I had just seen him hours before. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough to deal with. And um, I think, you know, I question a lot of, a lot about life. And uh, the, one of the toughest things for me is, is that I dealt with it myself. Um, and lose someone. Um, and I was, I had found him and had to call the police and, you know, check his pulse and uh, knowing he was gone. And um, 
I questioned a lot after that, and it, it was really tough. What what kind of questions did you have? Well, my my biggest thing is, I mean, I don't know if you guys are followers, but I, you know, I, my faith wasn't as strong then as as it is now. But I was so mad at God, and I was I was really like, how could this happen for for me to to deal with mental health, for me to try to take my own life, for me to lose someone to take to be one of the people that finds someone I'm so close with uh, to take in their own life. So um, those were kind of, that was kind of the biggest, um, but like I, I knew everything Zach was going through and I knew he, I had felt like he was about to turn the page and, and, um, and really take the next step to, to getting better. But, um, you know, it, it kind of, it just happened. And how are you doing now? I'm doing well, um, you know, uh, it, it's been, um, you know, it's been a while. Um, there's, I have my days just like, you know, I think everyone who's dealt with this does. Um, there's days where you feel like, you know, you're doing great. And then there's, there's little things that uh, make you miss them. And uh, so I had those moments and, you know, I know, I know Zach's looking down proud of, you know, everything I've done and, and just trying to, uh, to, to help others now. Dr. Hainline, you know, we're hearing, especially from, from Mark, about not knowing. Um, as a medical professional, what are the signs that you have to look for that may not be visual? Yeah, Andy, it's, um, it's not always so black and white because uh, for some people, they're depressed, they become seriously depressed, they're withdrawing from life, they're no longer interested in, in many aspects of social life or family life that they formerly had been. Um, they start talking about plans or they, they start stashing up on medicine. So these are some of the more overt signs. And, and what we always tell everyone is if you see any of these signs, this is something uh, a time to intervene, to ask questions. And um, you know, to let someone know that you're there and that you're really listening. But, but there are other times when, when there's no clue. I mean, I, I, I've had patients that died by suicide, but, and, and, and some you knew they were troubled, but others it shocked me. But a dear friend of mine died by suicide, and I had spoken to him um, that day. And, you know, we were just chit-chatting, and, and he kind of gave me this, you know, the usual sort of punch smile and, and said, yeah, everything's good. And, and, and later that afternoon, um, he took his life. So there, there's sometimes when, when, when people compartmentalize something so deep inside and they just won't share it with anyone. And, and the reason why they won't share it, you know, I, I, I wish we knew, I mean, the medical profession wishes they knew and, 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 and we don't, but it, it, it's like a, a, a cellar that's locked and no one can go in there. And then sometimes they enter that cellar and they, they don't come out. So um, it, it, we're, I think we're coming to somewhat of a better understanding. And, and part of it, you know, with, when, when, you know, with Mark and the Halinsky's hope, um, you know, when they decided to focus on mental health, I mean, it was really a, a, a a, a brilliant move in, in some ways because they decided not to focus on suicide prevention, but to look at the really broad issue of mental wellness and, and, and mental health. And part of that means 
that you have the freedom and the permission and the safety to speak about mental health. And so that's the one thing when we compartmentalize and can't share it with anyone, sometimes it's because we, we don't believe we have the permission to, or we can't do it safely. And, and so that's why I've taken this broader approach and, 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 and making mental health just as, as evident to, to look at as physical health. Um, I, I think that's the way to go in the future. And, 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 and I suspect that's really going to make a difference in terms of suicide prevention. I wanna talk about the stigma here momentarily, but first, um, Mark, when you hear a teenager a young adult say that they just feel sad and they don't know why they feel sad. Um, how would you address that, you know, in terms of whether it's a parent or a coach or a teammate, um, if, if they're expressing this, just this feeling of sadness and, and just not knowing why? Yeah, I, I, you know, as a non-medical professional, I, I, I would, we get that question a lot and in one of the, um, one of the documentaries that, that we created uh, after Tyler passed, my oldest son Kelly actually says that. So when, when we were on vacation after the bowl game, he had a conversation with Tyler where he said, where Tyler said, you know, I'm sad, but I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know exactly what I'm sad about. Um, so in that context, what I would say now, which I didn't know then and didn't know that conversation happened, um, you can't let go of this. The, the, the thing I've learned over, two, you know, it's only been two and a half years is your gut feeling matters in these cases. The people close, um, you know, to people that are in trouble, follow your gut feeling. And so if somebody's talking about sadness and an under, to try to help them get to an understanding, that, that wouldn't be from me, right? But, but either family, friends, a trusted uh, guidance counselor, uh, if it's a student athlete, somebody on campus or, or within their own family, but you can't let that one go. And I think Dr. Hainline's right. You know, um, <clears throat> we, we don't lose a lot of student athletes to ACL surgeries, um, but, but mental health and mental illness in particular um, has the opportunity to devolve really into, into something that we lose the athlete and, and that can't be ignored. So we know what the statistics are. We know it's 120, you know, three a day we're losing in, in the U.S. Um, so I, I would I would just caution anybody that hears that statement uh, to make sure the person making it uh, resolves it, right? So not just, oh, it'll pass and, you know, platitudes like that, but really trying to get to the bottom of it, uh, whether it's you or somebody that they trust. So Trey, um, how often or ever had you made that statement to someone um, that that cares about you and said that maybe you just didn't feel right and you didn't know why? I mean, I've made it. I mean, I still make it today. Like I, I had a really tough week last week and um, it was a, it was a statement that I made. And, um, you know, I think it, the difference between me now and back then is I'm able to cope and I'm able to really help myself but there's still times when, you know, I feel sad and I, I don't know why. Um, and I think it's just understanding that, um, I mean, kind of coming to terms with myself and knowing that. And, you know, I was kind of diagnosed as severely depressed my freshman year. And um, I, I've been on medication before and I, you know, I've been off for probably eight months now. 
but it's just understanding that, um, you know, I, I know myself and I'm going to go through these stretches sometimes. And um, it's for me, it's understanding how, how to cope in, in those moments. So, Dr. Hanlon, I think a couple of things that Trey just said are so critical of erasing the stigma. And I want to get to the overall stigma here in a moment. But medication, seeking that and, you know, obviously finding that right dose and the right medication that's going to work with you, because obviously uh, there can be a chemical imbalance. Um, treatment, uh, the, the difference between anxiety, depression, and, and excuse me, and something even more than that. What, how do we get rid of the stigma of seeking help for that, of going to therapy and the need for maybe, you know, any form of medication? So a lot of that is, is really that you've, uh, you, you know, there has to be a top-down acceptance of that. So if you're talking at a, a college or university level, that the signal is very clear from the president and the athletic director and the coaches that mental health is as important as physical health, that there's no stigma to that. Another important part is actually with coaches. We know that coaches are the single most important influence on an athlete's life outside of the parents. And, you know, there's a difference between learning to be mentally tough and being forced to, through stigma, to tough it out at all times. And so that's, that's a, 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 a distinction that has to be made. And, um, you know, part of the stigma is, is that to help everyone understand that, that, you know, you talked about chemical imbalance, we can talk about physiology, mental health and physical health, they're both physiology. You can't separate them. And when we look at the data, which are unequivocal, mental health can predict physical injuries. Mental health can predict an inability to recover from physical injuries. Mental health can predict performance. So all of these things are so intertwined. And, and once coaches and everyone else understand that, then we move to a place that we say, you know what, taking care of a mental health symptom or disorder should be as easy or as immediate as taking care of an ankle sprain, or as you said earlier, an ACL. So, so we just have to put everything in the same place and, and, and let the athletes know that that is really available and important and you validate that. You know, Mark, I, I think it's so critical. And I think we're seeing this at the professional level, you know, from Kevin Love to Michael Phelps. These are, you know, Olympic athlete, greatest of all time in terms of a swimmer, an NBA all-star and Kevin Love who are telling the world, look, you know, I'm battling this. And here's what I've dealt with. And here's what, how I hope, you know, what I've gone through will help you. But there's still that stigma. And I don't want to just put all, you know, sort of old guard football coaches in one box, you know, from a certain era. But, you know, your son was big time quarterback. And, you know, that's, that's the, oh, how could anything be wrong with the big time quarterback? Uh, and, and the acceptance of a coach and an athletic director and, and the teammates to say, you know what, it's okay to not feel okay. How do we change that stigma for those that still don't get it in that machismo world? I, I think you nailed it. In, in Tyler's case, you know, um, he had great respect and love for Coach Leach. And I think, um, you know, Coach was, in, in, in our case, Coach Leach was, 
equally or more so confused about what happened. You know, um, he didn't he didn't suspect anything clearly, and I, and I took it very um, directly from coach. You know, we, we asked everybody, of course. You know, who who saw what. You know, let, if we if we can't understand for ourselves, maybe we can learn something to help others. Um, and so I, I totally agree. And um, with Dr. Hainline and the coaches make it a, a huge difference. I think the stigma part in Tyler's case, we have to speculate a little bit, right? He wasn't diagnosed, but, but here's what I do know. Here's very quickly. Um, <clears throat> Tyler's roommate uh, was seeing a counselor every couple of weeks. He's been on record to say this, we're not talking out of school. Tyler drove him to those appointments went and got burritos or burgers or whatever, sat in the parking lot, waited for him. After the appointment, they sat, ate burgers, talked about the appointment and how helpful it was to this young man who had lost his, his mom very early in life and, and drove him home and they lived together. Tyler knew where to get help. He knew help was, was valuable to one of his closest friends. And yet it wasn't possible for Tyler to ask for it. And so, you know, you have to speculate, was it, was he afraid of losing his job? Was he afraid of, uh, you know, what coach might say or what his teammates might think? Um, he, you know, his personality was he didn't want to let anybody down. He took losing, you know, no, unusually hard. But I'd like to throw one more out. You, you named a really a couple of, of leaders in our space, but Dak Prescott just came out and, and was just as articulate and vulnerable and honest. And those aren't traits that some of the people in our country, you know, associate with leadership, except us. Because not only was he struggling, but he lost a brother by suicide. And I think being able to talk from position of strength, position of leadership, accomplish what you do on the field, despite your, uh, your illnesses or the things that, that bother you, and then talk about it, is what we need more of. And I, I couldn't be more proud of those three, Dak, you know, more recently, but um, it, it's a terrific example of how to, um, how to overcome and how to thrive. And, you know, as Trey said, I, I'm sure there are days where it's not nearly as easy to talk about, but, uh, you know, we're grateful for that. Trey, that statement that I know that you've made that about it's, it's okay not to be okay. Um, what does that mean to you? You know, it means everything, um, you know, for since I came out about my struggles, probably my freshman or sophomore year, um, it's something I'd always said. Um, it's okay not to be okay. Um, and then I, I spoke after Zach had taken his life and um, the lady who, who was running what I was speaking at, uh, she sat down with me and in my last sentence, I say, it's okay not to be okay. And she was like, what if we said it's okay not to be okay because that's better than not being here. And it kind of just opened my eyes because it was like, you know, that's the truth. Um, we, we as your friends, as loved ones, would rather you not be okay. And for us to be able to help you to, to be able to truly listen to you, to be able to be a safe space for you than for you not to be here. And you know, although at times, um, you know, even when I've been in that, in that space, it, it's hard to, to not think about everyone else and, and to really just sulk in everything kind of that I'm going through. Um, I think the biggest sign of strength that I've, um, that I've seen in myself is my ability to, to know when I'm not doing okay and to really reach out. 
um, because I know deep down, like the people I was always told, not everyone needs to know just a few good people. Um, and so the people in my life, I'm able to, to be honest and say like, I'm, I'm not doing okay. Um, I'm, I'm struggling or whatever it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know that's okay. So, you know, Dr. Hanley, I want to get back to one point that, that Mark said about, um, you know, maybe it was fear of Tyler losing his job as the, as the starting quarterback. And I think about these injury reports. And if a player's out with a specific injury, it may be announced. And obviously with privacy, um, I, I don't know if it's ever really announced if someone needs to take a mental health break. But that can be healthy. How do we get that across to coaches and to athletic trainers and team docs in the college athletic world with, that we're dealing with? That, hey, if player X needs to just take a break, call it an injury, whatever you want to call it, but they need to break for a week, 10 days, two weeks, a month, what have you, that's okay. And that player should not be judged because they need a mental health break for whatever reason. So I think we're actually on that path, Andy. So a, a, few, a few things are, are happening. So at, at the bottom up level or the ground level, if you will, when, when you have well-known athletes and, and, or, or in other aspects of, of culture, you know, well-known um, actors and actresses or, or political leaders who speak about their struggles and all of a sudden, you know, the, the other individuals who are seeing that, they say, hey, you know, I can't believe them. So they're struggling. So, you know, I'm struggling and they're admitting it. Maybe I can admit it. So, so there's a groundswell of that happening, which is, which has really been powerful. And then from the, the top down. So if you look at the NCAA level, um, we put out a, a mental health best practices document, but it was endorsed by 25 of the leading mental health and medical organizations in the country saying, this is the way to try to really do mental health across the college campus. And then what happened at the Olympic level, the International Olympic Committee, they, they looked at the NCAA document and wanted to use that as a platform for setting up a standard for mental health across the world for athletes. And so they held a first ever, ever summit on, on mental health. And, it, 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 and, and they said that they are going to make mental health a priority. And so now you have all of these Olympic athletes that are, are, are speaking that. But importantly, from the International Olympic Committee document, there was a screening tool that came out, one for clinicians, but the other for coaches. So that now everyone can look at this and say, geez, you know, so the, this is what's going on. And, and so there's just this top-down, bottom-up groundswell, and I think that's going to shift things considerably, and we see the momentum changing. Mark, how, how much would you want to see, you know, in those preseason practices at these, you know, high-level sports for the coach to stand up there and say, listen, if at any point during the season you need a break, you're overwhelmed, you're not feeling right, please come to us and – you will, you will be given it, no questions. If you need a break, we've got these services for you. It's okay to be said at the beginning to establish that ground rule so the student athlete feels comfortable if they are in those situations. Yeah, Andy, I, I think that's critical. You know, I, I think that we've been, we've done a hundred or more of these, 60 of these in person at different campuses. And 
um, you know, the, the student athletes that stick around, they want to talk about their story, you know, and they do it in private. They're still, uh, you know, I can see some of the faces as I think about them, you know, they, they pull you to the side. And, and the, the overwhelming message is this. We love, hey, Mr. Holinsky, we're sorry about Tyler. We knew Tyler, you know, or we're a terrible story. And everybody's very kind. But then they immediately say, unless my head coach is in on this, it's not going to change. And, and it was, it's not a, it's not a cop out and it's not a tattletale, you know, it's just sort of the reality that that or those student athletes live in. And I think, you know, the, the example is a good one. <clears throat> it gets a little trickier. I, I mean, Kim and I have talked about this many times. You can't be a professional athlete an, an Olympic athlete, even a collegiate athlete without mental toughness and physical toughness. And, and those are, those are, but I think Dr. Hainline made a really good point. And we, we make this, we try to make nearly the same one, which is there's a difference from being sad, you know, when you lose a bowl game uh, or, or, or anxious about going on a date or taking a test and really being crippled by this or having thoughts of harming yourself or others. And when the, when that line gets blurred, you know, on this continuum from mental wellness to mental illness, you have to have the trust in those around you. And the head coach really leads that ship in the world of football and in many of our, our collegiate sports um, to feel that you can come to him and confide in, in that person, he or she, excuse me. And, and I think the, the, the way you described it, hey, you come to us, tell us what's going on. I think the only caveat I'd add is we want to get you help. You know, it's, it's not just enough to stick it, you know, to go hang out for a week or so, because I'm not sure, you know, not being- yeah, a I meant with service. I meant that. Yeah, no, of course. So assuming that anyway, the, um, I think it's terrific. And, and it, would, it would speak to uh, what we feel is one of the top priorities as we've talked to many student athletes. That, that is their number one concern. I'm in, I'll fall, I'll do the training, I'll, I'll do the work. Uh, but if my head coach thinks that mental illness is sort of, you know, made up or you just tough it out, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it, just to be honest. Trey, how much of a difference would that have made for you? Uh, and, and, and forgive me if, if this wasn't said to you at Ball State or where you're playing professionally, if, if that was said at the beginning of here are the, you know, here's, I wouldn't say ground rules, but here's what we want you to know, that if you're feeling this, you can come to us, take a break, get these services, it's there for you, and we want you to know this here on day one. Although it was, uh, it was never really said uh, to the whole group, I, I was very blessed to have Coach Whitford um, as my coach. I remember my freshman year, I was literally just sobbing in the training room before practice. And my trainer and my student advisor were two people that I trusted to tell um, to my mental health stuff with, and no one else knew. Um, and then my trainer was just like, man, man I, I think it's time to tell Coach Wood. I think he's going to be understanding. And um, He came in and talked to me. He gave me the day off. And um, it was just one of those things from, from that moment on. It was every single day he was checking on me. Uh, he was checking on, on all the guys, and there was other guys on our team who were struggling with it as well. Um, you know, although it, he never physically or meant, like said, like, you know, if you ever need a break, like, I feel like we all knew it. I feel like if, if we went up to him and said, hey, like, I'm really struggling, I really need to, to take a day or two, he, he would, without a doubt, give it to us. 
Um, I'd say the same for my coach in Bulgaria last year, but my coach currently, like, I had the same thing happen last week. Like, I woke up and was so anxious and literally, like, shaking. And, and like, he came up and asked how I was doing. And I, you know, my typical, like, I'm fine. And he, like, looked at me and I, like, started crying. And he was just, like, he, he took me to his office and, and talked to me. And then uh, he let me go home. And, you know, he was, like, uh, the next we had practice late that night, but he said, I'm going to have you over for dinner in a couple of days, had me over for dinner. And I, I, those are the moments where, you know, although he's not telling me, um, you know, if you need it, you can have it. I feel like if I went up to him and said that, you know, he, he would let me have it. And I think that's important as coaches um, to know that your players trust you in, in, in any situation. And I definitely trust, you know, Coach Wynn, I definitely trust my coach now. Well, that, that, that's absolutely wonderful to hear that you've got, had that support both collegially and professionally. Dr. Hainline, um, here during COVID, during this pandemic, it is a major concern about mental health. And, you know, once we even get into a season, if a player tests positive and they have to go to quarantine, essentially almost isolation, that can really be debilitating. Um, what have you gleaned from talking to people in the sport, uh, in, in college sports, of how pressing an issue this is right now during the pandemic? Well, it's a, it's a real issue because uh, even um, short of going into isolation after a positive test or quarantine because someone with whom you've had a close contact tested positive. So there's when, when you're alone, you're isolated, you're taken away all of a sudden from that which you love, from that which defines a lot of who you are. You know, it's these transition periods. We, we know any transition periods are, are vulnerable periods for individuals. And this has especially been true in COVID. And then, you know, the lack of interconnectedness. And so when we talk about return to sport and, and return to society, you know, you have the infection control issues on the one hand you have to think about, but just the whole humanity of how important it is that we are together and that we socialize. So there's a real balancing act there. And I remember speaking to the, the basketball coaches about this. And when we were looking at the schedule and, 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 and you know, as you may know, the, the schedule for the transition period was lengthened a little bit. And in part, it was to address what we call this, this period of optimal readiness or physiological readiness. And we stressed with the coaches that it was as much mental as it was physical. And the, the coaches, again, over and over, we keep saying this, they have such a key role to play. And, and I think they really are exercising that role in, in, in sport. So if someone does have to go in isolation or in quarantine, we have to stay in touch with them and let them know that we're there, this will pass. But, but we never stop the connectedness. That's the key part. Mark, what's your level of concern uh, during this time? It's heightened. You know, um, Kim and I uh, had, a, had a pretty packed schedule over the summer that was changed. And um, we started a, our own podcast called United. And through that conversation with many student athletes and, and licensed mental health practitioners, the same subject sort of came up over and over again. And it was I think it's been mentioned here a few times, but the lack of, or the change <clears throat> from a, a structure 
it was was really crippling a lot of these uh, these athletes. Um, and so, you know, it's it's of great concern to us. And I think spinning out of it, you know, I as as Dr. Hayline was speaking, I was thinking about, you know, there's there's a number of these exam examples, but you know, the amount of money and time we put into a physical injury recovery, you know, the the the, um, the surgeries, sure, uh, the hyperbaric chambers, the 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 so forth. There's not a check that can't be written to you know fix somebody in that regard. And yet, that same person that goes through the recovery cycle, um, we've talked to too many that haven't gotten a phone call from the coach haven't gotten a phone call from the training staff to see not how the recovery is going or when you'll be ready, which there's plenty of those calls, um, but, but how you're doing with it. And, and so in a very small way, you know, COVID is just much bigger than this, but they're sort of out of that same stream. They can't go to class. They're recovering. They're out of contact with their teammates and their friends. Um, they have limited movement and, and all of that has changed. Um, and when you think of that, just extrapolate it for COVID, um, you know, the, the stories we're hearing is, um, is, is a little, is a little, is more than a little concerning. Yeah. Trey, you were the 2020 NCA inspiration award winner. Um, how were you able to channel, you know, what you were feeling into working with, um, you know, children with special needs and, and just being out in the community uh, when you were in Ball State, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to really sort of help you, your own sort of cathartic process of, of getting through that initial stage? I mean, I just, I really think I was put here to, you know, to make a difference. I know that life is bigger than me. Um, at the end of the day, I just want to help as many people as I can. I, I want to know that I saved one person um, from, from, from taking their own life or whatever they were, they were going through. And I know deep down, like I, I'm doing more than just one person. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's all I want to do is just help, help people who don't always get the benefit of the doubt. And I know that's people who deal with mental health issues and people with disabilities. Um, I know, you know, when I started my work with individuals with disabilities in high school, like those those kids are being made fun of like you know I still hear the R word all the time today um, and, and you know that's something that I wanted to change in the stigma with the R word just like I want to end the stigma with mental health and um, those two are things that are really important to me. Mark you know your strength and, and Kim's strength your wife it's unbelievable um, what have you learned though about yourself in the last couple of years? Um, yeah, how much I love Tyler. <clears throat> it take, you know, it, it shouldn't take, but it, it, it takes a tragedy like that to, to realize how lucky you really are. Um, Kelly's healthy, Ryan's healthy, Kim's healthy, you know, we're, we're doing, uh, what we can. And I think Ty or Ke Ryan said it early last year, but, you know, he, he looks forward to the next sun, sunrise and, you know, you can't get past, in our world, it's tough to get past what Tyler might have been thinking those nights before, you know, you don't have that information and you can only imagine that it had to have been difficult. And so, you know, it, when, when Ryan sort of said, I can't wait for the next sunrise, 
I, I often thought at the time that Tyler maybe dreaded it, you know, and, and what a what a difference those kind of thought processes. So what what have I learned, you know, miss my guy <clears throat> for sure. But um, I think we can make a difference. And and you know, I listen to Trey and, and just, you know, empathize completely with with that struggle in a, in a slightly different way. But I think that's the important piece is to take the love you had for Tyler and and sort of, uh, you know, dispense it across, you know, multiple people and see if you can help. And there's a lot of folks doing it. Well, you know, we're certainly not the only ones, but I'm proud to be part of that. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're excited every day that we get a chance to make a difference. You know, Mark, if I can, one, one more on that and that. You know, and obviously the pictures, and I remember it well, of, of the community coming out in Pullman and supporting your family and the candlelight vigil. Um, but as always in any tragedy, that dies down after weeks, maybe months. Um, and when you got to that time and you have your wife and your children, but still, how did you get up those mornings when all the attention subsided before you channeled all your energy, obviously, into this unbelievable cause? But those, that first time period when the attention had waned, how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, we we were fortunate to have you know great friends and family that 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 took uh, took great care of us. Um, and as you say, I mean it's natural and normal for for those things to wean uh, or, or wane. And um, there, I, I don't recall specifically to be honest, Andy. But I think what it was, it, it, you know, when you get when you've suffered any kind of physical pain, you know, you just get by hour by hour, and you know things will get better. And, and I had three other people, you know, that, um, <clears throat> that counted on me to, to, to lead or to, you know, join the group, you know, and, and I think Kim and I at various times weren't that person. And so as you look around, you look at a 17 year old and at, at the time 22 year old and what they must be experiencing, you just do what you can. And, and thankfully, Andy, I, I wasn't struck with mental illness, you know, I, I'm very sad, uh, clearly, and I'm anxious, you know, for my kids, but I'm not clinically so, and I don't need treatment today, and I'm thankful for that, and I, and I recognize at least, you know, maybe not to the medical degree anybody else does, but I'm thankful for that, and so I, I do something with that thankfulness, and that's to, you know, carry on. And, and Trey, what's it been like um, to see the reaction when you've shared your story over the last few years and see the reaction from others when you've given so much of yourself and shared yourself as you see that reaction from your peers? Um, sorry. That's okay. Take your time. I, mean, I just think the biggest thing is, um, you know, I, um, I look at the inspirational word and, you know, although I didn't do anything to like helping others for recognition, just to know that I'm like making a difference is everything. Um, I know that's, you know, the way my parents raised me to be. Um, there, there isn't any way that I could be any different than a person who just wants to help others. And you see, you see it from everything I do, from playing basketball to loving passing the ball to teammates, 
to my help in the community to staying up late night to talk to friends like everything I do I feel like I'm trying to help other people and I just wish a lot of people in the world were the same way because you know not everybody has good people in their life and not everybody has people that genuinely care about them and you know everyone deserves it um, so just to answer your question it's it's you know it's it's bigger than me it's bigger than my story it's it's really just helping people out and helping people get through everything they're going through. And Mark, you know, this week coming up is, is College Football Mental Health Awareness Week from the 3rd to the 10th. We're going to see T-shirts and stickers. And in watching the video on, on the Helensky Hope website, and I mean, you know, when I see those hugs that you and Kim got, you know, from the UCLA players, and I know this happens wherever you talk, um, just in, in that moment when, when – you know, complete strangers, but peers of, of your late son, when, when they're hugging you in that, in that embrace, just what's that flow like through, through your entire core when you get a hug like that? Um, it, it's, uh, it's about as good as you can get, you know, and um, in that particular case, you know, we were from Southern California and a lot of those players one of them, the captain, the defensive captain, Josh Woods, played with Tyler in high school. And so they, they were more than just, you know, another team and another group, not that we treat any of them like that. And so what I was getting were those hugs, but I was getting these whispers of <clears throat> stay the course, you know, we love Tyler um, and, and so forth. And I think those were probably as meaningful as anything. And, and it and it didn't it wasn't lost on me that they were whispers you know and 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 some of this is just we have it's more complex you know it's more complicated and i i didn't understand that and i and i don't think i still do other than to say it so we continue to um you know to to think that way and and reflect on those conversations and hugs and and what it means to people and and we've had that response and coach kelly in that environment was was the the exact person you'd hope for, you know, for, for what it's worth. I mean, uh, and, and, and even, I know this wasn't part of the question, Andy, but um, I think there are more like him than there aren't, you know, I, I really do. And we've had the opportunity to see that. And so, so getting that, those hugs, getting that feedback um, from a sport we love and the, and the group of people, they have lifted Holinsky's hope, um, you know, from the day Tyler passed. And Dr. Hanlon, I just want to give you the last word about the, the power of Holinsky's hope, of Cray sharing his story, among others, of what this can and should do to student athletes, to students really in this age group across the country. Well, I'm, I'm just so grateful and, and, and I feel blessed to, to, to know Mark and Kim very well. Uh, Trey, I don't know that well. We've only met maybe once or twice, but to hear him speak, I mean, you really understand that it does make a difference. And the student athletes tell us that. So they, they want to hear from their peers or they want to hear from Mark and Kim, who are the parents of one of their peers. And, and they made it very clear to the NCAA that they want mental health to be their number one priority. So, so when you have exceptional individuals like Mark and Kim and Trey and 
they're just not telling their stories. They're, they're, they're actually changing the world. And, and the student athletes are embracing that. So um, it, it's just one of, you know, it's a feeling of gratitude and, and, and hope because we, we need that hope. And, and, um, but, but we're, seeing, we're seeing the change. We're seeing the difference. So um, I, I'm just honored to, to be in their, their presence, but more importantly, to, to in, in my own small way, to be part of that movement. Well said, and you mentioned the word hope. It's Holinsky's Hope. Um, everyone should go there to, to the website. Uh, it's College Football Mental Health Awareness Week, uh, but it shouldn't just be a week. I mean, this should be all the time. We should be aware of it. We don't need to you know, just have a week. I mean, this should be all the time. Everyone should be paying attention to any warning signs or anyone that needs help. They should be allowed to seek it, should be embraced. And um, for Trey, you're joining us here from Portugal where you're playing professionally. I wish you nothing but the best. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Obviously, Mark, if you can, you know, pass on our thankful to, to Kim, because she's sharing it as well, maybe not in this particular Zoom, but uh, we're just so you know, grateful for all of you to share your story here uh, with student athletes that are watching and those across the country on uh, what I think has been our most important NCAA social series and uh, mental health awareness. We need to keep on top of it to embrace it uh, to not be ashamed and to change the stigma from this point going forward. Appreciate everyone. You can always go to ncaa.org slash social series where all 28 episodes are archived. We'll talk again next week. Stay safe, everyone.